Well, hello, Rocky Peak. <laughs> it's great to see you here, and I thought you would all be at the Rams game. That is like, I guess, like, a, go Cowboys. Is that like a team, or what is that? Like, <laughs> that's from that other country, uh, Texas. So, uh, Anyway, uh, welcome. My name is Michael, and I'm one of the pastors. And if it's your very first time, uh, just so, um, so glad you're here. I want to welcome you. We're going to go into our time of teaching right now. And inside the program is a uh, green and white message note sheet we use every week. But if you're new, you may not know that, so you want to take that out. And if you guys are ready, uh, we're ready to jump in this new series. You ready to go? Let's do it. Okay, let's pray. God, we're just excited to be here, your people in your place underneath your leadership. And and God, we want to be transformed. We want to become the people we were created to be. We want to learn how to love one another as you've loved us. And so, Father, we pray that as we go into this series, that your spirit would be thick in this room, that he would lead, he would guide, he would open our eyes and ears to the things you want us to see, the things you want us to hear. That you would speak loud and clear, and that we would be listening, and as always, we would not just listen, but we would follow. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Well, our story starts today uh, uh, in the spring. It's a cool spring day uh, in the capital. And uh, they've traveled here as a leadership team to be part of this uh, celebration for the most important national holiday of their year. And uh, as always, the city is packed. Um, and uh, you can sense the tension and danger in the air. Uh, he, uh, their leader, has uh, risen to a place of national prominence. He's part of, become part of the national conversation, and he's definitely trending up. His popularity is trending up with kind of the common person, but in terms of the leadership, the establishment, uh, they see him as a, a danger. They see him as a threat. And so uh, this week, they've come with high expectations, but there's also danger in the air. And, uh, and throughout, the, throughout the week, his, his adversaries... Um, the, the, uh, the leaders uh, that are trying to bring him down, slow him down, that they have sent different delegations. Uh, think of it like uh, kind of a, uh, almost like an informal press conference where they are uh, a series of different leaders coming asking him questions um, about where he stands and important, uh, important issues that face the nation in the hopes that he will make a mistake. He'll say something that will either alienate uh, the people are getting him in trouble with the authorities. And so far, he has sidestepped side all the traps um, like a, a very savvy politician. Um, and it's in that setting, in that context, that all of a sudden, uh, another leader steps forward from the crowd and asks him the next question. Well, today... We are kicking off a new series. You guys excited about it? You're excited about that? Yeah, this is a series that's called uh, Loving People, uh, Doing Relationships a Whole New Way. And uh, I'm excited about this series because I believe not only is it very much the next step uh, on the journey of transformation for us as a church, but I believe this series has the potential to radically change your lives uh, and so that this series becomes sort of a before and after event in your life. Uh, you look back over your life, and you, you look back on this time, you say, God really met me in a life-transforming way, and there's sort of a before and after. And so I'm very excited about that. One of the things I've noticed over the years is that when a man or woman comes to Jesus, truly meets Jesus, that the Holy Spirit comes into their life, that they're, we often describe it like Jesus being born again, that uh, they start to go through a series of radical changes. And two of the most obvious is they have a new love for God and a new love for people. But what often happens is that we're not always sure how to live out that new love for people in everyday, real life. And so we tend to often fall back and do our relationships often the same old, often dysfunctional, even destructive ways as before we came to Jesus. And so what we're going to be doing in this series is kind of going back to the Word to see what does the Word teach about how to do relationships in a whole new way and live out a life of love. So today we're going to start off with three core principles, three basic foundational principles that are going to carry us through every week of this 11-week series. And so there in your note sheet, you have a section that's called the priority of love, the Jesus paradigm. 
And I want to start, we're just going to jump right in uh, and get going. So number one, the first principle is going to undercut, uh, under, um, kind, of, uh, uh, kind of prop up everything that we're going to be learning is as followers of Jesus, love is our top priority. As followers of Jesus, that, that one of our uh, top priorities in life, according to Jesus, is that we would love God, we would love people. Um, so today we started with a story. We story, uh, started with a story of this leadership team that descends on the Capitol in the midst of a busy uh, holiday season. There's a sense of both uh, opportunity and danger in the air. And this is a story from the life of Jesus. Uh, this is a story from the very last week of his life where he leads his team uh, to Jerusalem during Passover season. Now, Passover season, according to ancient authorities, would have as many as 500,000 pilgrims descend upon Jerusalem. So the place is packed. And, and remember, Passover is like the Jewish 4th of July, right? So. Uh, Passover was a time, when you look back, you celebrated when God rescued the nation from slavery and Pharaoh, and they became a nation. And so it's also a time when they're looking forward to where God will rescue them from the new Pharaoh, Caesar, and bring them, free, bring them into this long-promised kingdom of God when Messiah comes. And so it's, it's a time of high religious fervor. Think Middle East today. It's a time of, uh, of dangerous... Um, uh, kind of uh, very much, uh, high patriotism and high danger. And so uh, Roman armies are all on full alert, extra uh, garrisons in. The, uh, the, the governor from Caesarea will come to be there to make sure to keep a lid on this thing. It's a very explosive situation. So into this explosive situation, Jesus brings his leadership team who seem to assume that it's during this week that Jesus is going to launch his campaign to be the king of Israel, the king of the line of David. And so it's in this situation that his popularity is rapidly rising among most of the people, but he's becoming seen as an increasingly threat to the religious and political establishment of the nation. So throughout the week, they're sending different delegations to ask him very tricky political and religious questions in the hopes he will step on one of these landmines and it will lead to a loss of popularity uh, uh, with the crowds or lead him into uh, increasing conflict with the religious or political leaders. And so, so far, he has definitely navigated everyone in such a way that not only impresses his followers, it impresses his enemies. And so it's in this setting that a, uh, an attorney, uh, kind of a, a Jewish uh, a, you know, legal a, uh, expert, comes to Jesus and he asks him an important question, a question that rabbis would often debate, probably had political overtones too, looking for religious, uh, kind of religious reasons to, to bring accusations. And they asked him of all the commandments in the Torah, the first five books of Moses, uh, which is the most important? And so uh, the rabbis would often debate this. And so in the Torah, there were 613 uh, different commands according to the rabbi. So of the 630, what is the top priority, the most important law? And Jesus answers and he says, well, there's actually two. And he's going to quote from the Torah twice, like he knew with the back of his hand, like the back of the hand. He's going to quote from a very famous passage in Deuteronomy 6 that religious Jews still quote two to three times a day, this today, called the Shema. And then he's also going to quote from a more obscure passage in Leviticus 19. And so this is what happens. So there in your note sheet, this is how Matthew describes it. He says, Having, uh, hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees. So Sadducees were the most powerful, influential power groups. Uh, they had come and they had asked him a question to try to bring him down. He handled that. So hearing that Jesus had silenced them, the Pharisees, which was a second power group in the, the, the religious and political structure, uh, they got together and one of them, an expert in the law, they tested him with this question. Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said, well, here it is. He's going to quote from Deuteronomy 6. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and it's the greatest. And so he says, love God with all your heart. Uh, take out the religious language, right, that we're so used to. And so what is he saying is that 
that the most important thing in life is to know God, to love God, and to please God as your top priority in life. That's what's number one. And he says, but out of that flows a second priority. Because if you ask God, what is your top priority? He says, that leads to number two. And he says, so the second is like it. And he quotes Leviticus 19, love your neighbor as yourself. And then he says something fascinating. He says, all the law and the prophets, which is a way of describing the entire Jewish Bible, the law and the prophets. He says, all the law, the rest of the law, uh, all the other 612, and the rest of the prophetic writings, the whole Old Testament, he said uh, that all the law and the prophets, they hang on or depend on these two commands. In other words, every other law, every other part of the Jewish Bible is just an explanation or an illustration, a footnote of what it looks like to love God with all of our, and love our neighbor as ourself, right? And so once you see this, this is why as followers of Jesus, we often say that as followers of Jesus, there's one top calling in our life, it's love God and love people. But once you see this, it flows, you see it reflected and kind of fleshed out throughout the New Testament over and over again. And I wanna walk you through this because often we know this passage, but not the other ones. And so there in your note sheet, we're just gonna do a little Bible study here. So if you go to Romans 13, so Paul's writing in, in the 50s AD, and he's writing to the church at Rome, and he says, let no debt remain outstanding uh, except the continuing debt to love one another. In other words, as Christians, pay your bills. Don't welch on your bills, right? So let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For catches, he who loves his fellow man has what? fulfill the law, just what Jesus said. Everything else, if you just do these two, you're fulfilling everything else. And then Paul's gonna give us four examples from the 10 commandments to illustrate how this works out. So he says, so do not commit adultery, do not murder, just the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet, and catch us, and whatever other commandment there is, they're summed up by this one rule. Love your neighbor yourself. He says, love does no harm to its neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. Same thing Jesus said. Here's what we often catch. When we look at the 10 commandments, we often look at them as restrictive. Here's all the things I wanna do, I can't do. God always looks at them as protective. This is the path of love. So what does it look like to love your neighbor as yourself? Well, if you love your neighbor as yourself, you won't steal his stuff. It's like God's gonna break it down for us. Uh, no, I really do love him, I just needed his stuff. You know? uh, no, like if you love your neighbor, you're not gonna steal his stuff. If you love your neighbor, you're not gonna steal his spouse. Adultery. If you love your neighbor, you're not going to steal his life, murder. And if you love your neighbor, you're not even going to want to steal his stuff, his spouse, or his life. That's what coveting is. Because the moment you wish you could, it destroys and undercuts the whole relationship. Okay? Are you with me? Okay, so let's move on. So, you move into the book of Galatians, written in the 40s, one of the earlier books uh, in the New Testament. And it says, uh, Paul says to the Galatians, serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in the single command, love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, we see it again. You move on to 1 Timothy, one of the last books that Paul will write before he's arrested and beheaded, 1 Timothy. And he says, the goal of this command, what command? He's talking about the gospel, the message of Jesus. The goal of this command is what? Love. love, and that comes from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. And we'll come back to that passage in nine weeks, on week 10. Uh, and then in James chapter two, now James is one of the earliest books, perhaps the earliest books in the New Testament, written about 48, uh, uh, 48 AD. And James, of course, is the half-brother of Jesus, so he's got the same, uh, same mother, different father, um, 
But he says, so here's how James put it. If you really keep the royal law, and there's the law of the king, found in scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. You get the picture? So what I want you to catch is that but we have one, we're gonna look at one more that, that, as you, that Jesus teaches us the last week of his life, early in the week, he's asked the question, what's the greatest law? He comes back, this is it, and this takes in everything else. We watch that lived out in the New Testament, written out, but we're gonna, we're gonna go full circle now. We're gonna go back to the end of Passover week, right, where Jesus was arrested, and that night he celebrates the Passover with his disciples in John 13, and after the meal, he uh, washes their feet. You remember that? And then he says, uh, hey, I want to help you understand what I just did. He says, so he's already told them he's leaving. He knows he's about to get arrested. So he says, I, I want to give you a new command that's going to lead you into the future as you expand my movement, as you lead my movement. I'm going to give you a new command. And this is what he says that night. He says, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Now, I want to point out two things. Number one, Jesus is affirming the law of love, but he's raising the bar. We are not just loving one another as we love ourselves. We are loving one another as Jesus has loved us, and he is about to go and be brutally tortured and executed on a Roman cross. And before he goes, he says, you don't know what's gonna happen, but you're gonna find out. And this is how I want you to love. This is the new command that's gonna guide the movement. Love. And then second thing I want you to notice, he says, this is the badge, the certificate of authenticity. How do you recognize a follower of Jesus? Do you recognize them because they're loud and obnoxious? Do you recognize them because they don't drink alcohol? Do you recognize them because, you know, how do you recognize a follower? He says, by this, all men will know you truly belong to me. This is your certificate of authenticity that proves you're the real deal by the way you love one another. And so what we're gonna see as in this series is that for a follower of Jesus, loving others as God has loved us is not one of the commands, it is the command. That, uh, that it is the one rule that rules them all. For us as followers of Jesus, in every relationship, in every situation, it doesn't matter, at work, uh, on the softball team, in a family, in a marriage, in a friendship, in a life group, in a church, in politics, In social media, there is one rule that rules them all. As followers of Jesus, the question is, what would love do in this situation? And that becomes our marching orders. Now, what that looks like to love, that's often difficult to figure out. Not always easy. We'll come back to that. But the orders are clear. Are you with me? That love is, is, is our top priority, okay? So if we're serious about loving God, his top priority is we love others. All right, number two. The second principle is that the word shows us the way. Um, you know, the first principle is that as followers of Jesus, love is our top priority. But the second principle is that the question, well, how, but how, what does it look like to live a life of love? And so we talked about this earlier at the top. I said that when a man or woman comes to Jesus, one of, the, one of the first signs that they've truly been born again is they have a new love for God, a new love for people. It's supernatural. We, the, it's, it's evidence of the DNA of Jesus. But the hard part of that is that often we don't know how to live out this new life of love, what it looks like, so we tend to do our relationships in the same old way that we've learned over a lifetime that's been modeled to us by families and friends and other influential influences in our life. And so what, what happens is even if we say, I want to make that my prayer, we often don't know how to do it. The good news is, is much of the Bible, and especially the New Testament, is written 
specifically to teach us what it looks like to live out a life of love. Here's the bad news. Often, we don't recognize this because we don't put our relationship glasses on. All right? So what we do is we come to these passages of Scripture that are designed and given to us a gift. Here is how to live out a life of love so that your relationships can be transformed. And we tend to speed by them because we don't have our relationship glasses on. When you put on your relationship glasses, what you do is when you're reading the Bible, you say, what does this passage teach me about how to do relationships and how to live a life of love? And when you ask that question of the text, that puts your relationship glasses on and all of a sudden, the Bible begins to speak with power page after page. This is what it looks like to do relationships a whole new way and to live out a life of love. Now let me give you an example. I wanna, I wanna have you uh, look at, uh, just to make this simple, and just uh, let me say this, is that uh, through this series, we will not be opening our Bibles as much. So if you're here at Rocky Peak at, at, uh, most of the time, you know that a typical weekend for us is we open up our Bibles, we read our Bibles, we mark up our Bibles, that's typical. But when I do a topical series, often because we're jumping around a lot, and often because we have newcomers that are not as familiar with the word, then in a topical series, I'll often just print out the passage. But I always want to, you to know that because if you're new, just to understand our value. Like after we get done with this series, we're going into the next series, which I won't tell you what it is, but I'm knee deep and I'm very excited. We're gonna be taking apart a book in the New Testament, right? So I want you to know that's really interesting. Like last year, there was a guy like in Hong Kong or something like that, that they were, they were gonna be moving in the area and uh, we were in a topical series, and like, I'm not sure we love this teaching, but we want a place that's really opening up our Bibles, and about three weeks in that series, I mentioned this, and he said, I was so excited, we want to be a part of that church, right? So, so anyway, I just want to know, if you're new here, that what you're going to be experiencing the next 10 or 11 weeks is different than what we normally do, all right? So just to make it easy, I'm putting thing there on your note sheet in Ephesians 4. So this is one of my favorite relationship passages in the New Testament but you don't see it without your relationship glasses on. So let me just kind of walk through. So, so Paul's writing to the church at Ephesus. He's writing from prison, 60s AD. This is the same time period as Philippians. We just finished our series in Philippians. And so he's, he writes to him, he says, you were taught, in other words, uh, when you came to Jesus, he says, you were taught with regard to your former way of life. In other words, before you came to Jesus, to put off your old self, your old identity, the old approach to life, which is being corrupted by deceitful desires and to be made new in the attitudes of your mind, to think about life a whole new way and to put on your new self, this new Jesus identity, catch this, that's created to be like whom? Like God in true righteousness and holiness. So Paul says that when you come to Jesus, that we'll see this throughout this series, you enter into a transformation, a supernatural transformation process, and the goal, that God's vision, is that you would be recreated to be like your creator, again, in your core character. And so he says, so you were taught that in order to, to become like your creator, you gotta put off the old and put on a new. And so now he's gonna go to a long list of examples, and here's what I want you to catch. They are all relational examples. This is the kind of text that if we don't have our relationship glasses on, we just skim quickly, and then we go on doing relationships like we've always done. But if you put on your relationship glasses, it begins to scream at you, and if you take it seriously and start putting this into practice, it will radically transform your life, and you will be learning how to live a life of love. So let me just kind of walk you through. So here's the next passage. So he goes, therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully. So one of the things we're gonna learn in this series is that if we wanna do relationships in a whole new way, we have to be passionately committed to a life of integrity. We have to learn to tell the truth, keep our commitments, live out our values, right? So he starts with that. And then he goes on, he says, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. So he says that, as a follower of Jesus, you're gonna to have to learn how to deal with anger in a new way. 
You're gonna have to learn how to put up because if you don't, if you allow anger to thrive in any relationship, you might as well pull up a chair for Satan and say, here, why don't you sit in the middle of my marriage between us right here? Uh, I wanna create a spot just for you, right? And so, so if we're going to, if we're gonna be transformed, if we're gonna become like our creator, if we're gonna do relationships in a new way and live out a life of love, and if we're gonna see our relationships, marriages, families, parenting, work teams, friendships, date, if we're gonna see it transformed, we're gonna have to learn how to deal with anger. If we don't, we cannot live a life of love. Then we're gonna move on. He says, he who has been stealing must steal no longer. I love that. You can tell these are fairly new believers. Hey, uh, some of you are still stealing. I need to knock that off. Um, <laughs> he who has been stealing must steal. It's like someone's taking notes. Oh, okay. Stop the stealing. All right. So uh, he who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work. <laughs> There's the thought. Uh, doing something useful with his own hands that he may have something to share with those who need. So it says, that if we're gonna become like the creator, if we're gonna be transformed, live a life of love, we're gonna have to learn to have a whole new approach to work, our career, and finances. Before we used to steal, or we would work to live, it says a follower of Jesus, if you're gonna be transformed, you need to work to give. There's a follower of Jesus, there's a whole new generosity that's gonna be lived out in our life that's gonna transform our relationships. Then you move on. So do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. So if we're going to love Jesus, we're going to be transformed, become like our crypt, we're going to have to learn how to use our words to build up instead of tear down. If we don't, we can never learn, uh, we can never learn to, to live a life of love. Then he goes, he says, and, and next you're going to need to get rid of all bitterness, kind of those grudges, Uh, rage and anger, we already talked about the anger piece, brawling and slander, you need to stop, you know, slugging it out in the bar, Uh, (laughs) the slander, you know, tearing people down, along with every form of malice. He says, as followers of Jesus, these are things we're gonna have to put off. Uh, He says, but there's certain things we need to put on. He says, and then be kind and compassionate to one another, so certain character qualities are gonna have to grow in our life. Uh, certain character qualities, and uh, he's going to be compassionate, and we're going to have to learn to forgive other people. That forgiveness is going to have to be part of our normal daily experience, just as God and Christ forgave you. So you see how this passage works? He starts off saying God has a vision. The vision is you being transformed. But to be transformed, you have to put off. You've got to put on. Let me give you some relational examples. But then I want you to see how he wraps up this passage. This is the punchline of the passage. And it's terrible because in our Bibles, it separates chapter four and chapter five. In the Greek, of course, there's no chapter division. It just goes right on. It's like the worst chapter division in history. But anyway, if you go on to the next passage, chapter five, which comes very next in the text, he says, so bottom line, remember, we're gonna be recreated like our creator, putting off and put on. And he gives all the illustrations. Bottom line, you need to be imitators of whom? God, that's the whole point. We're being recreated. You're going to be imitators of God as dearly loved children. You've been born again. You have the Holy Spirit. You come under his lead. You're part of his family. And so as children, we need to grow up to be like our father. And he says, what does that look like? He says, and live a life of what? You see, all these illustrations are simply an illustration of what it looks like to live a life of love. And once we put on our relational glasses, it begins jumping out. But here's what happened. When we don't ask the right question, we don't have a relational glass, we come to a passage like this and we skim right over and we ignore the advice and we do our relationships the same old way. The way we were raised, the way we did before we came to Jesus, And then what happens is our relationships blow up or they don't get transformed and we can't figure out why. I'm a follower of Jesus. I've been praying for my marriage. I've been praying for my family. I've been praying for this work team and I can't figure out why it's not getting transformed. Well, it's because we're ignoring the instructions. And so what we're gonna be doing in this series, both in our study during the week and on the weekends, is going back to the Word to see 
What does it look like to live a life of love, do our relationships a whole new way, and the word will show us the way, all right? Number three. Number three, uh, I love this one. Some of you will too, others not so much. (laughs) To grow in love, we have to grow up. Mm. I'm not gonna ask who likes it and who doesn't, but to grow in love, we have, so one of the major lessons we're going to learn in this series, we'll come back to this again and again starting next week, is that if you want to grow in love, You have to grow up as a person, spiritually, emotionally, and in terms of your core character. If we don't grow up, it's impossible to love well because without that growing up, we don't have the capacity to love well. Like for example, let's say that some of you got inspired today. Let's say I was teaching on marathons. And like I wouldn't be doing that, but let's just say I was. (laughs) And like, I don't get it, you're gonna run forever, I don't know, I'd rather ride a motorcycle forever, but that's, like, that's my marathon. But anyway, um, so you, say, you get inspired to run a marathon, you've never run a marathon, you're 50 pounds overweight, you haven't worked out in years, and you're inspired to run a marathon. And so you say, I'm going out next week and there's a marathon, and I'm gonna run that thing. You may be highly committed, and you may be absolutely sincere, but your chances of finishing it well are very low, slim to none, because you may have the desire and you may even have the commitment, but you don't have the capacity. And here's what I want you to catch. If we wanna learn to love others well, we have to go through a major transformation in our life where we are transformed to become like our creator in our core character. Without that, we will not have the capacity to love well. Here's the reality. It's impossible to build healthy relationships if we are an unhealthy person. Amen. Now here's the thing. In Christian circles, we have often defined spiritual maturity in a very narrow way. Let's say someone comes to Jesus, they give their life to Christ, they turn from some obvious sin, they start reading the Bible, they start going to church, they join a life group, they start serving, they grow in their generosity, they start giving, uh, maybe they even some memorize some scripture so they can quote some scripture, um, they start serving in the kids' ministry, um, they, uh, uh, they, uh, they, they get to where they're comfortable praying out loud in a group, And uh, we look at that person and we say, well, they're spiritually mature because they're doing all the things that a spiritually mature person will do. But what we're gonna see in this series is spiritual maturity is much bigger than spiritual activity. That spiritual maturity is being transformed to be like Jesus. And that takes in spiritual activity it also takes in emotional maturity and it takes in character recreation. And the spiritual maturity takes in all three. And so uh, without this renewal of character, without this transformation uh, from the inside out, then we, will, we may have the desire to love well and do our relationships all the way, but we won't have the capacity all right? So these are three principles that I carry us through this whole series. The first one, that love is our top priority. As followers of Jesus, there is nothing more important than to learn to love one another well. This is the new commandment. It's the one commandment that rules them all, to learn how to do relationships the whole new way. Number two, that, that, that the word will show us the way, that week after week, as we put our relationship glasses on, we will begin to see this is the path to transformation that will give us the capacity to love well. And number three, that if we want to grow in love, we have to grow up. Not just in spiritual activity, but in emotional and character maturity, right? Now, what I wanna do now is just spend a few minutes talking over um, how this session is going to go because probably most of us in this room are going to be taking this journey not only in the weekend 
the weekends with our large group gatherings, kind of that leg of our three-legged stool, but also in small groups, in life groups, uh, and also in our one-on-one kind of time with God study time. And so I want to, so, so we're writing a study that's going to tie that all together. I want to make sure you're clear on this. Now, you may not be in a life group, but you can still take this journey, uh, you know, at least part of that uh, on your own. So I just want to explain how it's going to work. And I want to give you what I'm calling some tips for the trail. So all I'm doing is just kind of laying out how this is all going to work. So we're all clear as we launch into this journey together this week. So there in your note sheet, you see the section, uh, loving people, tips for the trail. We've got three resources I want to walk you through the three bullets. So the first, let's talk about the study itself. So we're writing the study for this, uh, for, the, for this whole journey, for, for us to do kind of one-on-one our personal time with God and to, and to use in our life groups. And, um, and so today is message one of the series, right? Message one, you're hearing the message. And so what's gonna happen is after the service today, that if you're in a life group or you're gonna be taking this journey on your own, that you need to go home and download the study for week one, right? So uh, the study for week one. Now, uh, this first study is gonna be much briefer than the rest of the weeks. It's only gonna be like one day's worth. So catch this, it doesn't matter whether your first life group is tomorrow night, Sunday night, or Wednesday night or Friday night, there's no problem because you only have one day's worth of study, all right? So you're gonna do that one day, so it's shorter. Um, And then what you're gonna do uh, is that when you go to your life group this week, you're going to bring that study um, and it's gonna be part of your life group, your potluck and life group session, just a brief discussion on that. And then catch this, this is the important thing. After your life group, you need to go home or the next day, download uh, number two message, all right? And when you download number two, you'll have a full week to complete that study before uh, you're, you, know, you need it for your second life group. So here's what I want you to catch. It doesn't matter whether your life group is on a Sunday night or a Wednesday or a Friday, you'll always have a full week. So the weekend messages will align with the study. Some of you will be further along in your study before you get it, some, but it's fine. It will work uh, equally well uh, either way. Now, if you're here and you don't have access to the internet, right? so you don't have a smartphone, you don't have a tablet, you don't have a computer, um, and, uh, you, or, or maybe you have that, but you don't have a printer, you say, how am I going to use this? Well, a couple ways. First of all, you can just download uh, on, on the website, and you'll notice there, we've created a website just for this series, a new website, see at www.lovingpeople.rockypeak.org. So when you go on there every week, you'll be able, you can just use it, you can download it to your phone, and you can use the study on your phone, as you'll see in a minute, because you're gonna need to write the answers in a journal, as we'll see in a minute. Uh, you can do it that way, you can print it off. Um, and, and then use it, you know, so you have a hard copy, which will work great. But if you say, I don't have a printer, what do I do? Very simple, that what you do when you leave today, you go out the door, you go to starting point, and we have both weeks one and weeks two assignment. Now, you're gonna need both because you're gonna do the first week before your life group, and as soon as life group is done, you need to start week two, right? So you're gonna need both this week, but then from that point on, They'll always be the next week. So like next week and they'll be number three. Now, in terms of the study itself, what you'll see when you download it, not this first one because it's shorter, but starting with week two, what you'll see is that the study is divided, each week is divided into five daily studies. And the way we've designed it this way is so that if you choose, you will be able to use this study to strengthen your regular rhythm of relationship and your one-on-one time with God. It'd be like perfect. But if you say, no, I already got the rhythm going and I love what I'm doing, I don't wanna break that, uh, or, or whatever reason, it's fine, you can do it anytime. We've just designed it this way so that you can use it that way. But if you say, I don't wanna do that, I wanna do it on Saturday afternoons, I wanna do it three o'clock Tuesday morning, uh, I wanna, like whenever you want, uh, it'll work for you, okay? And then when you, when, you, uh, when, you, when you download, you'll see this, but every day's study has three parts. So every day you will explore a passage of scripture, just briefly, that is a, uh, a relationship passage. Every day we'll ask you to put on your relationship glasses. What does this passage teach about relationships, living a life of love? You'll, do, you'll explore that. You will read an excerpt from a book or two. We'll talk about that in a minute. 
and then you will reflect on what you're learning and there'll be some questions to reflect, to journal, to pray, and so on. Right? So every day we'll have three things. You're gonna explore, read, and reflect. Now, um, these studies are designed to be done in 30 minutes. All right, so uh, some of you uh, are gonna whip through them faster, and you're a faster reader or whatever. Um, and uh, some of you are gonna just really soak in them and you're going to, like, wow, this is real. I really need to think this through and you're gonna, you're gonna journal more and you're gonna spend more time. But they're designed that for the average person. Now, just be patient with us because we're doing our best to estimate what that looks like, 30 minutes, right? And so we'll adjust as we go along, but I think we're, I think we're pretty close. I think we, we've uh, pretty much got it, but we'll see. Um, so, so that's what you're gonna need. So, so you're gonna uh, download what you need. You can either download it as a PDF, use it in your note-taking app, or just use it on your, your digital device, or have a hard copy. So that's how the study's gonna work, okay? Number two, the second bullet um, are the books. So I think you, you know, most of you know, that we're using two primary books for this study. So the first is by Peter, they're both by pastors, kind of both well-known, uh, highly respected, evangelical, Bible-believing pastors. And so the first is uh, by the Emotionally Healthy Church by Peter Scazzaro. And uh, Peter is a pastor of a church in New York. It's interesting because in that book, uh, the foreword to the book is written by Leighton Ford. You may not recognize the name, but he's one of the most well-known and respected evangelical leaders of our time. He was a, a, a kind of, one of part of the Billy Graham team. He's still alive and doing well. But uh, so you'll, you'll start with that book. And then we read the, the book by John uh, Ortberg, Everybody's Normal Until You Get to Know Them. So... <laughs> Yeah, so Neil Johnson told me that I need to get that book, so that's what I did. Right? <laughs> so anyway, um, anyway, so you will need a copy of those books. Or you can share it or whatever. You'll need a copy. It can be hard copy. It can be digital, like if you're a Kindle person. It'll work great. And it'll also be, if you say, I am not a reader. I hate reading. Uh, I would highly suggest that you use, download the Audible app and use Audible. And what we're going to do is for every time there's a reference of what to read, we will put the location marker in Audible so you can find. See, I'm not a reader. Well, great. Do you drive? Yes. All right. So listen. It's not going to be that long. Listen on your way to work. There's other ways to take it in. So we don't care how you get it. We just get the information. All right. Um, so um, uh, so uh, every day in your study, there'll be something, uh, there'll be a reading to read in one or both of these books. Every once in a while, we will, ha we will ha uh, use an excerpt from another great book. Like maybe it's a, a book from uh, the parents, you know, Les and Leslie Perry, the Christian counselors, or from uh, uh, John, uh, Cl Cloudon Townsend, uh, or maybe it's from uh, uh, Stephen Covey, and those will always be a download on the website. You simply download them the same way, and that'll all be explained in the first week. In fact, the first, the first week's study is a Q&A that kind of covers most of the things I'm saying now. I just know that you don't always listen to me, so I put it there too. <laughs> Number three, uh, the third resource you're gonna need is a journal. So this is very intentional that we have, uh, there's no space to write, even if you print it off, there's no space to write on the actual uh, uh, handout, the study. And there's a couple reasons for that. Number one is we found that uh, when you give a little space to write, people give little answers, right? So little space means superficial answers. And we want to create, I know we want you to really think about this. We don't want you to be, you know, circumscribed by the, the space on the page. The other thing is if we created enough space to really write, these documents would be like 30 pages long to print. And so what you're going to need is a journal. So you'll have your study. I think for me, I'll probably print it out firstly. Um, because that way you can take it to your study. You'll have it easy to flip around. I think it's the best way, but it's not the only way. So, you can, so you'll have that, um, and then you'll have a journal, and you'll be able to journal uh, your answers to that. Uh, if you haven't seen them, um, you know, we're selling the books, but just at cost. We're not trying to make any money off this. We're making as reasonable as we can. Um, and so you've got, you can get those books at the bookstore. But we also created a new journal called Listen and Follow Journal that really flops open nice and so, but you can use any journal, your digital, your own journal, whatever you want, all right? Okay, uh, number, so, so that's the, the third thing you're, you're going to need. So those are the three resources. You got the study, um, 
and you have uh, the books you're going to need, and you have the journal, all right? So, so let's kind of wrap this thing up. So, so here's kind of a recap, is that what we're learning today is as followers of Jesus, there's one top priority in our life, to so love God, and he says to love me, that means to love people. And that as followers of Jesus, there is no higher priority. This is the core calling of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And so we want to learn how to put off our old ways of doing relationships and put on the new, the Jesus way. Learn how to do relationships in a whole new way. And if we do this, catch this, I believe it will not only transform our church, it will transform your life. I can tell you that, that of all the things I've taught over my ministry career, probably this material has been the most transformative. And people that have gone through will come up and they will often talk about their life before and after. That's like a before and after experience. And so what I wanna challenge you is you would join me on this journey. You know, last week we asked 2019, are you ready to grow? And I asked three questions and the first question I asked to answer that was are you ready to invest? We talked with a three-legged stool. He said, are you willing to invest in your own growth and training, in your development? In your own tra- are you willing to invest in your transformation? We talked with a three-legged stool, embracing the weekend large gathering teaching, really pursuing the one-on-one time with God, and then coming together as a small group that brings it all together. And so what I want to do is just challenge you to take the journey with us, that uh, you would really invest in this, that you would make the weekend services a high priority. And if you can't be here, you would always go on YouTube and watch it so you're ready to roll. And then on your one-on-one time, whether you invest the five days a week, you approach it that week, or you do it some other time, that you really take some time and think about what you're reading in the Word. You answer the questions and reflect. This this series is going to ask you to reflect a lot And so I want you to really invest in that. And then finally, that you come to your group ready to share what God is doing in your life. And I believe if we approach this three-in-one approach that come 11 weeks from now, we will not be the same church and you will not be the same person because we are learning to put off the old, put on the new, so we can be transformed to be like our creator, the people that we are created to be. Amen? Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. God, we're just excited to be here uh, on this journey, and we, we believe that you've brought it. We know you've brought it. We've, we've watched as you've been leading us as a church these last years, and it's, just, it's led up to this, and, and it's such an incredible opportunity for us to grow. And so, Lord, we just pray that your Holy Spirit would move us, motivate us to really listen and follow, that we would embrace the process, we would grow together, we would learn how to do relationships a whole new way, and as a result, our lives and the lives of those we touch will be transformed. And Father, as we come this time now of worship, we receive our gifts, our offerings, we really do pray it will be a time of new creation, a time of new wine as you shape us into the people you created us to be. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Would you stand with me? What a beautiful prayer that Jesus would bring new wine out of us. And that's our desire, this series that as we go deep, as we look at the Word, as we look at our lives, as we ask the Holy Spirit to search us, that He would bring new wine. Amen? That we want to be transformed. We want to be changed. We don't want to live the same old way. We want to see thriving marriages. We want to see healthy friendships. We want to learn how to love our enemies. We want to learn to lay down our lives for others as he's laid down his life. We want to leave the old dysfunctional, damaging ways. We want to learn how to do conflict in new ways. We want to learn how to forgive. We want to let go, learn to let go of bitterness. We want to learn how to give freedom to others and live in freedom ourselves. We want to learn to be transformed, to be like Jesus. This incredible journey. So I hope you can be with us every week as we take the next step. Each week we'll build on the last as we move into the future that God has for us. So I hope you can be here every week. I want to remind you as you go a couple things. If you're not in a life group, and especially if this is your very first time, 
maybe you came, you haven't even heard about life groups. So I want you to know that life groups are the hub of our church. We have over 150 groups that meet every week in the four valleys we serve. It's, it's the way we connect. And so if you're new here and you want to be in a life group, we want to help you. And so Kelly said they're getting full and they are, but we really want to bend over backwards to help you find a group that'll work for you. And, uh, and so even if you go out, we'd have something available, give us your name, your address, tell us when you're available, because we will go to town. We will make calls to leaders. Can you have room for someone else? We don't want anyone at Rocky Peak who wants in a life group not to be able in a life group. And we will stand on our head and do whatever we can. This is a once in a lifetime opportunity. And I'm not exaggerating on that. We will never be going through this series again as a whole church. It's going to be transformative. So if you want in, I want to encourage you, go out there and talk and uh, get that. Secondly, if you don't have a printer, remember, you need to go out and get two weeks, week one and two before you leave today. And then for everyone else, remember, you need to go home, download that message, do week one study before life group this week, so that you're ready to go. And then after this week, we'll download week two on authenticity, all right? You got, everyone got it? Are you good at that? Okay, may the Lord be with you. May he fill you with his grace and peace. May he give you a vision for your life that far surpasses anything you've thought to date. May he show you that his vision is a complete and radical transformation that would be so much that in five years you would look back and not recognize yourself today. That God has a vision for your life. He loves you deeply. May this be a week that we press into that journey together. We run hard after him. We listen and follow. We allow him to transform us by the power of his spirit that we can become the people we were created to be and go out and change the world as a light in a dark place. Amen? Amen. God bless you. I love you. I'll see you next week.